Amen. And once you have received a hug and given one, give someone a high five and a big smile, you may be seated. Amen. I love being with family. Truly enjoy being with family. Amen. And we've got a lot more family than we think we have. Amen. Uh, that's what our Father's telling us. And He wants to bring His children together. Amen. Being together is kingdom. Being together is what he's all about. Matter of fact, being together is the key for him being in our midst. You want to be with brothers and sisters. You want to hang out with who God places in your path because when you do that, you're inviting him, amen, to be present. He's everywhere. He knows all things. There's only one throne, and he sits on it. He's inviting us to come sit with him in his throne and to enjoy his glory. And you happen to be his glory. Isn't that interesting? Wow, that he invested everything to get the treasure, which he calls his glory. And you and I being together creates a dynamic that darkness cannot stand. Amen. We're talking about an unclouded heart today. An unclouded heart. Amen. Spirit, soul, and body is the makeup of God's purpose. It's, his, it's, it's how he put us together so that we could have fellowship with him and from his lens, which is most important, him have fellowship with us. Amen. He wants a relationship. But you can experience unhealthiness, spirit, soul, and body. You don't want a clouded heart. You want an unclouded heart. In our medical field, physically, your heart can get clouded. It can get cluttered. It can get, amen, full of resistance, clogged. Our spirit heart is the same way. Amen. And I think we all have been impacted by what we're talking about today, a clouded heart. Every one of us have experienced the symptoms of a clouded heart. Our relationships tell off on us. Our emotions if they're leading us around, tell off on us. And if I think that I need a break today, it's because there's cloudiness in my heart. And the way that we protect our heart, the Lord set it up, it's his peace. It's his peace that protects our hearts and our minds. Now, if I don't have peace, that's an evidence that my heart is not healthy spiritually. Can we all agree with that? It's the peace that patheth understanding that makes a difference. 
And so the peace of God protects my heart and mind, according to Paul writing, and I think he has, you know, credentials, amen, that can encourage us to know that, ooh, I'm going to do an examination of myself today. And again, for the guests that are here, I don't preach at nobody. I always use the guy in the mirror that I deal with, amen, so I can encourage you. And that you can leave today with some hope. I can tell you where I'm at. I can tell you what daddy's doing in my life. And I just know he's going to encourage you to shake it off, refocus, get your eyes single, and let's look to the author and finisher of our faith. God has spoken to everyone that's here. We may not necessarily know it completely or totally convinced about it, but I'm, I'm assured today that the presence of God is going to draw you in a little bit closer so that you can know he's been with you all of your life, all of your life. And we've dropped the ball more than we want to talk about, I know, but he was there when we dropped the ball and he knows how to help us get it back in bounce and we get back in the being kids again. So Paul tells the church family, which encourages me, that the peace of God protects our hearts and minds so that we can think on those things which are true, just, honest, pure, and a good report. Amen? And when I think correctly, the heart's healthy. When I think correctly, heaven opens. It moves God to be able to have access to his house. It's when I'm not thinking correctly, amen, that the door is shut and he can't get in. I've let something in, though. Amen. It may not be revelation light, but I've let something in, and I think it's right, but I'm not sure I don't know, but if we do an examination, we can find out we need the great physician to come in and clean out the cloudiness, to clean out the clutter, to clean out the clogged spiritual arteries. Amen? And he knows how to do that. And I want to encourage you today. Amen. He's going to do just that for us. Amen. I want to read to you a few passages in the Bible. Amen. Now, while, while I'm reading it, if you would, don't try to figure out what I just read. Open your spirit up and listen. Everybody has private interpretations we all deal with. Now, again, I'm referring to the guy in the mirror. He has a private interpretation, but then there's a kingdom interpretation. I have a religious, traditional idea of what God's saying in the Bible, but then there's a fresh word from heaven that brings clarity, and I can always tell which one, which spirit I'm listening to. There's fruit. There's evident fruit there, and so we all want the peace that passeth understanding, the joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. That's what we all want, right? We want fulfillment. And Jesus came saying, "The kingdom of God is within you." And this is what it is, righteous, 
innocentness. Not yours, my, not mine, but his. Innocence. Peace and joy in the spirit. Amen. So, we're going to begin to feel a greater passion to have this peace and joy. We're going to feel a need to press a little harder to make up our mind, amen, to get stalwart and go after it and take it with everything we've got. Amen? I'm saying it like this because it's important we get this. The Lord feeds our spirit to desire, to long for. If we will long for it, we will seek it. If we don't long for it, we won't seek it. By the way, this is written in the Bible too. Amen? When you long for something, you seek after it. Jesus has set this thing up to stir a longing, a desire up in all. That's why y'all feel the presence of God in the room right now. I want more of that. What does that mean? You're longing for more. And if he can stir up desire until you get hungry and thirsty, then you can be filled. Why would Jesus want to fill us if we don't have a heart for him? If my heart is clouded with all kinds of other things that I'm going after, that I want to blame it on him because from my lens, it equals good, but it's not God. It's good to me, and I think I deserve it. Anybody ever been there? I'm talking about the guy in the mirror. But it's not him. It's just clutter in the heart. And so God sets us up to work on our desire, our longing, so that when I long after him, I seek him. And then he makes it clear, he's easy to find. He's not far from anybody that feels after him. Amen. Matter of fact, he, he gives a strong indication that if we'll just feel after him, he'll suddenly come to his house. Amen. So in Matthew 6, 22, it, it tells us something here that is very important about receiving the kingdom of God. And Jesus is preaching his sermon on the mount. And he has a specific intention of inviting everybody to enter heaven's realm. Amen. To enter into fulfillment, to enter into bliss, and to enter into peace and joy. And so he gives a sermon to let everybody that has ears to hear that it only gets better if you'll believe. And in Matthew 6, 22, it says, the eyes of your spirit allow revelation light to enter into your being. The eyes of your spirit. Amen. If your heart is unclouded, the light floods in. 
If your heart is unclouded, the light floods in. Now, what could possibly cloud my heart? Matthew 5, 14, let's back up a chapter in verse 14. It says, your lives, your lives light up the world. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it's place where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. I want to read that right there. Instead, it's placed where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that your commendable works will shine as light upon them and then they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. Amen. Jesus is letting those that have an ear to hear know they're so powerful. Everybody, everybody in this room, everybody in this world is so powerful that if we'll let him have his place and we'll become available to him, <sighs> we can have a single eye. Uh, have you ever heard of double-mindedness before? You know, I, I, you know, I want to go to... I want to go to uh, eat at, um, at um, J. Alexander's. It just, showed, it just came out of the way there just then. But on the way, I decided, no, I think I want to go here. And then I want to go somewhere else. I'm not sure where I want to go. And then when you get there, I think I want this. But then the waiter or waitress comes up, and I'm not sure if I want that or not. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Or you're going to college and you're decided that your major is this, but when you get in, get in the, and it's not, it's really not what I want to do. And so what is that telling us? That we're double-minded, we're clouded in our thinking, that we really don't know what's going on. We're trying to be in charge of our own life, but we're not any, we're not any good at being in charge of our own lives. Anybody, can I'm, I'm talking about the guy in the mirror. And so I need some help. And Jesus is an ever-present help in our time of need. Matter of fact, he tells the ones that are following him, I'm going to be leaving. He's not telling them what he's doing. <laughs> he gives them hints, but they're not paying attention. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, he's looking at them nose to nose. You, you see where I'm at? Where I am, you may be also. Y'all are following me because you want to step into this. The place I go, you know. Well, uh, you're going somewhere, you say we know about it. Yeah. But they're not paying attention. The only reason I can talk to you about it today because the Lord talks to us and he confirms some things. He was going to die. Everybody knows about death. I'm going there, and if I don't go, you're not going to be able to step in this place that I'm in right now. So it's important that I go here and die 
so that you can do greater works than I've even done because I go and do this. I'm going to give it all up to have you step in to this power, dominion, and authority over everything and anything that can cloud your heart. And you're going to have a single eye, and you're going to have a heart that is so open to me that I can come to my house and demonstrate not the fact that I died, but demonstrate my love because I died and give you an experience that you cannot question, give you peace that blows your mind and joy that you can't even describe. And then you're going to be quick to respond to me at my moving, at my flowing, and my touching of your life. Come on. I'm not going to leave you comfortless, Jesus said. He's talking to him. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And in that passage, he's talking about I'm going to give you a comforter. <laughs> and everything that I've ever said, I'm going to remind you. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to say it this way so you can catch this. If, you were, if we ever open up our heart to him on the level that he's asking, there's nothing that he's ever, never, ever said that he will not bring it to your spirit. Well, pastor, I got my Bible here. No, the letter will kill you. Thank God for my Bible. But it's the spirit that makes life. And so when I read the letter, thank God for my Bible so nobody misunderstands. If I'm not hearing the spirit speak to me and bring life and take the clouds out of me so that he can have access to his house, you might want to lay the Bible down for a little bit. Because there might be some religious traditions you're holding on to that came from some, some spirit, some dark religious spirit that explains scripture that's not correct. That convinced you that this is the way it is. So and so told me, but did Jesus tell you? Pastor, be careful now. No, I'm, I'm very careful right now because I'm dealing with a guy in the mirror. I know about religious tradition. I know about it. And I also know something that you and I have been given by God, <sighs> access to him so we can do a self-examination. When there ain't no peace and when there's not no joy, it don't matter who said what now. It better be the Lord speaking because right now your heart can only be protected by the peace of God. And if you're living in turmoil and you're blaming it on your spouse, my God, if you, I could live for God if it wasn't for you. And some of us have said it and believed that was true. My God, if my spouse would just live for Jesus, I'd, I'd be a good saint. No, you wouldn't. You're not going to be a good saint because your spouse is a good saint. You and I are going to be children of God when we let daddy take over his house. And only then will we be children of God. 
There's nobody that needs to straighten up so you and I can have a better day. I know I believed that before. As soon as they straighten up, man, Jesus, I'm going to be able to really work for you, but they're in the way right now. And you can believe those lies, and they sound so true, but it clogs the artery. It clouds the heart. And it takes God out of the place that he's king of. Amen? And so the only problem that this guy has right now is the guy in the mirror. That's my biggest demon. Pause for effect. He has a history, and he has biological blood and flesh that have religious influences and traditions that does, does not promote the kingdom of God. Amen. And that guy knows how to go to church. He knows how to put on a mask. He knows how to do a lot of things that look good, but it's not God. Is this helping anybody? All it does is cloud the heart. And a little bit of self-examination, it don't take long. If Look, if I have a problem with somebody, that's evidence that God's not in the house. You know, saying that in the culture we're living in right now, because the culture is in the church. And everybody, you know, is making decisions based on what other people do. And it's real, y'all. But Jesus loves everybody. And he loves everybody passionately. If I don't love them passionately, it's not their fault. It's because I'm listening to a voice and a messenger that's convinced me that God's okay with my attitude towards what he loves. It's cloudy. Amen. And it's a heart condition that brings death. It's okay. I, uh, thank you, Jesus. So position yourself so that everyone can benefit. Well, Lord, I got, I got preferences on who I'm going to let get the benefit of me positioning myself. Anybody ever thought like that before? Lord, if, if I position myself with those people, it's going to be work. <laughs> that guy in the mirror talks like that. And the ones I'm running from are the ones that the Lord wants me to position myself in front of. Well, why would the Lord want me to position myself in, in, in the lane where there's people that hurt my feelings easily? See, you can't just say that. You have to hear that. I need to grow. If I can be critical about anybody and be biased in a religious slant in any form or fashion because I think I understand the way we need to do church, 
I'm in trouble. I'm clouded. Are y'all catching this? If I'm bold enough to call your name out and be critical about you, and the Lord is passionate about you, but you don't understand, Pastor. Uh, they ain't doing the will of God. Uh, self-examination, y'all, I've been there. I've been doing it, and I've been humbling myself to God and realizing that I want this peace that I can't, I can't understand. I want this joy that's fulfilling. I want to be in his presence. And I found out the more I'm in his presence, nobody bothers me. A matter of fact, I want to hug everybody's neck, and I can't do enough to serve when I'm in his presence. And so the pushback continues, and our culture is lying to us. And it's, it's a spirit that's tormenting precious people, amen, as they pursue. They, they're, they're, I'm trying to do the best they can to get all of God that they can. And the culture is dictating attitude and, and leading us around with our, by our emotions. Amen. Anybody been led by your emotions lately? And you ever felt like that I have a right? Uh, to the guest, I've often said this before. I said, now, we, we happen to be in America. You might be an American. But if you've been blood-bought, baptized in his name, and filled with his spirit, you're a follower of Jesus that just happens to be an American. You don't have any rights. You found out you didn't have any rights in the first place. Who caused you to believe that? Culture. The world we live in. Flesh. Jesus died so that we'd have life. He died so that we'd get a revelation that you don't want no rights. You want the life that comes from him dying for us. Would that be true? That if he purchased us and we're bought with his blood, where is it that we have any rights? Now, why would I want to have some rights when I can have dominion, authority, and power? I know the enemy, the dark one, the lying messenger wants us to debate that, but I would encourage you that debate won't get you very far. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. And some of us today, if we'll catch that simple truth and let him come to his house, we'll forego everything because in his presence is all you need. You don't need no rights no more. And so the enemy will get us worked up. We'll fight for stuff that don't bring life. It just brings death. Well, bless God, I got my point across. Amen, I, got, I made them understand I'm in charge. What did it cost you? Your life. When you could have let the one who is in charge have access to his own house, and you could have been his child and just went on a journey of what it looks like to be with God. Amen.
Position yourself. See, here's some ways, ladies and gentlemen, that we can misposition our and cloud our minds as followers of Christ. These mindsets or influences, they, 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 they impact our planning, our fruit bearing. Uh, Jesus says it this way. He says uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, the things that impact us, I, I'm going to give them quickly to you. you can, when you get a chance to read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, they're right here. But there's 12 things that Jesus brings out while he's inviting us to step into his kingdom. An invitation to let him be Lord in our life. He shares with us some bad fruit that with, is with all churchgoers. One, mishandling the law of God as religious scholars do. He said it just like that. He said, I didn't come to do away with the law. I come to fulfill the law. The law reveals who he is. Amen. And so if you mishandle the law of God, that's bad fruit. Number two, anger or unforgiveness. Anybody ever been unforgiving towards someone? Ever been mad at somebody? Bad fruit. Lusting after another who isn't your spouse. Now, Jesus is bringing these things out, and he's revealing what the bad fruit is in our lives. Making oaths when you could just say yes or no. He owns me. When did I think that I had the right to make an oath? That's making a plan without God in the equation. Hating your enemy instead of loving them. Anybody ever done that? Giving with an impure motive. Have you ever done that before? Posing as a prayer pretender to be seen. Fasting to be seen. Stockpiling earthly treasures instead of heavenly treasures. Bad fruit. Worrying over the necessities of life. Being a critic full of bias towards others and then refusing to love others as you desire to be loved. Wow, 12 points that the Lord makes as he is illustrating to them an invitation to come into the kingdom. Amen. And uh, can I say this? I shared with you all here recently of a vision that I had coming out of sleep before I, before I woke and Amen. And the Lord said, think on me first. And I thought I had an interpretation of that. thought, yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about you, Lord. And uh, the more I thought about him, the brighter he got. I mean, he came into the room, and the more I thought about him, the brighter. And every time I would think about it, he would get brighter. There were these dark figures in the room, and they would leave. Pastor, you, 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 you own something. You've been taking drugs yep been taking Jesus and he's he's having to he's having to get my attention y'all about his kingdom he's God is a spirit God is not flesh God came in flesh and revealed to you and I how to be sons and daughters but God is a spirit and they that worship him, worship him in spirit. Don't forget the next part, and in truth. Every time I would think on him, 
get brighter. And then I'd see dark figures that they would leave. And the Lord says, do you remember my sermon on the mount, son? I revealed what clouds the heart. When you think on me, my peace comes and protects the heart. When you think on those things which are true, just, honest, pure, and a good report, not your interpretation of just, honest, pure, and a good report, but rather the Spirit revealing to you what is just, pure, good, right? Somebody catching this? When you let the Lord enlighten you, he fills you with light. You don't have that light under a bushel. You position it. And y'all, the Lord let me know. He says, son, I'm still pulling on your heart. I want, I want all of it. Well, I thought you had all of it. Uh, I've been in ministry over 40 years. You don't have all my heart. And y'all, I'm, I'm telling you that I'm having to deal with the fact that God's grace is greater than I can imagine, that his patience with me is wow, and it's, it's humbling me and helping me become more broken and contrite and submitted to his presence. And in the meanwhile, he's showing me what I'm being set free of, what I'm being liberated from. Did y'all know you could get to a place in your Christianity and your faith, your personal faith, that you think you've arrived? Oh, none of us would actually say it out loud, but actions do speak loud, don't they? They really speak real loud. And it feels good to feel like I'm kind of smart. But then you find out without God, you're really nothing. And that to be truly intelligent is to be completely submitted to the point that you, you all you do is, yes, Lord. You, you don't have nothing figured out. All you have figured out is that I need him and I'm available for him. And that I can bring no revelation to anybody. Only he can reveal. Only he can open the eyes. Only he can enlighten. Only he, amen, can be glorified and worshiped. Only he. Yet he's invited every one of us to come join with him in his glory. It would be advisable for all of us to read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 every day for the next year and listen to what the Spirit is saying and repent and repent and live a life of repentance every moment of every second of every day. And let humility come in your life. I didn't say being wimps. The most powerful person in this world is someone that has totally given all their heart to the one that makes the difference. The one that gives all their heart to him 
walks in dominion and authority and in power. Not, not in Dwayne Lowe's name. I'm talking about the guy in the mirror. But in his name. If you're in him, if you do anything in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus. When you give him access to his house, you're now stepping into your true identity. You're called by his name, and now he has access, and now the heart is clear. It's not clouded. <sighs> He's able now to have dominion in his house. He's able now to reveal his authority. Amen. And you position all this light that's come in, you position it in a place that it can benefit the most. Amen. That's a pretty powerful person then, aren't they? That's a person that found out who's in charge. And they've decided that, you know what? God is in control. Amen. And they've learned a life of letting go. <sighs> Lord's given me this message for 40 years to give away, to encourage people. But you know what? <laughs> I'm 60. And I'm finding out I need that message more in my life in the moment than trying to give it away. If I'll receive it and live it, he'll give it away. And he'll pour the light in every life that opens their heart. Amen. I had no intentions on ministering what he gave me this way today. It's been eating on me, though, and I've been talking about it. But the Lord is saying some things right now that need to be said, and he's saying it his way, and he's giving an invitation again to you and I, amen, to step into heaven's realm. We don't have anything figured out, y'all. Think about that for a moment. You might want to argue that. You might want to debate that. But at the end of the day, when you get before him, you're going to be just like John was when he fell at his feet in the vision. Come on. I saw one whose hair was white and his eyes like fire and his feet like burning brass. I fell at his feet as though I was dead. And he reached down and he touched me and said, get up, John. I'm he that was alive, he that was dead, but now is alive. I want to show you some things. John was not no young whippersnapper when he got that vision. It was later on in life, and here he is, crumbled in his vision before the throne of God. So what is it that you've gotten figured out? Well, I, I, can, I can agree with you this. We need Jesus, and we need him every moment of every second of every day. My challenge is not anybody in my path. It's the guy in the mirror that wants to be in charge, that wants to think he's smart and that he knows something, amen, and that he can teach somebody something. There's a teacher in the house right now. His name is Jesus. There's a prophet in the house. 
His name is Jesus. There's an apostle in the house. His name is Jesus. There's an evangelist in the house. His name is Jesus. Anybody catching this? There's a pastor in the house. His name's not Dwayne. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. We've got to catch this breath from heaven today, y'all. Until we become so and, and it's healthy to be broken. It's healthy to be contra. It's healthy to be humbled. It's extra especially healthy to be submitted, especially in this culture where everybody's got a right. Amen? And so the Lord began to show me as I would think on him, those shadows that I was seeing had to do with what he preached at the Sermon on the Mount. Criticism. Thinking of myself more than I should. I'm a pastor. I'm seen. Undoubtedly, I've arrived. Look what the Lord did here. And I obeyed and I came to San Antonio. <sighs> I'm his son. You see those lies? Those are those dark shadows, religious spirits that will put us in captivity and make us think we can toot our horn when the only one that has the right to toot his horn is the one that gave it all so that I could live and you can live. And so I've learned something about the peace of God and the joy of the Spirit. It gets me and mama closer. It gets me, instead of running from people that got a lot of baggage, Lord, I don't know if I can help them. No, it gets me positioned so that the light that he's given me so graciously and mercifully that I don't deserve, but because he loved me, he put it in me, positioned myself to help them see, amen, through what he's doing in my life, him helping me get transparent about how he's changing me and setting me free. Amen. Thank you, Father, for your presence right now. Amen. None of the commands that Jesus gives us are unattractive. Everybody, anybody ever thought, man, I <laughs> got to obey God. You ever thought about that before? We may not have done that unique dynamic I just did. We don't want nobody to think that we... We don't want anybody to think that we'd actually go, oh, God, i got to obey God. None of his commands are grievous. None of them are unattractive or harsh. The benefits that follow, amen, someone that's willing is wow. What commands are you talking about, Pastor? You know, the Ten Commandments wasn't there to make you and not do anything. The Ten Commandments that God gave Moses on, on, on Mount Sinai were to reveal who God is. I, it, took, it took me a while so I could hear it, and finally he revealed it to me. I was just revealing myself to the people I loved. I was letting them know this is who I am. I'm not making them do anything. Matter of fact, I brought them out of bondage and set them free. 
The whole point was that they could enjoy being with me and have fellowship. I was giving them a synopsis of who I am so they could actually relate to me. And did you know none of those commandments are grievous? Just like, you know, thou shalt not murder. Well, that's awesome. I want to go murder somebody. Really? No. And you don't want to be murdered neither, do you? And so when you begin to look at it, you know, <laughs> keep the Sabbath. Oh, God. <laughs> the Lord was just wanting you to know, uh, I vote for you to rest. Matter of fact, I'm God, and I set aside rest time. And I want you to be with me. <laughs> Y'all, it's, it's really funny. He opens his Sermon on the Mount. I got a few more moments. And he gives us the beatitude. Blessed are the poorest. Blessed are the meek. And all with all those blessings comes benefits. How many of us have given up the benefits? More than we want to talk about, right? When we could have all the benefits of the kingdom, we let the enemy come in and manipulate and control us into believing his lies, his religious lies, his traditional lies. And he gets us to be critical with him. He gets us to, amen, be worried about if we're going to have enough food on the table, enough uh, clothes to wear, and next thing you know, because we got to make sure we do our budget right. I'm a plan of action guy, man. I like budgets. I like that bottom line, right. And the Lord said, let's, let's do our budget first, son, me and you. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so we'll forego the blessings of the kingdom because this religious spirit has convinced us that it's God and we got a plan for a rainy day. Who told you to plan for a rainy day? Who told you that? Well, that's logical. That's right. Logic did tell you that. That's right. I agree. I have to deal with that with the guy in the mirror all the time. Uncertainty is the life of faith. I'm certain of one thing, uncertainty. I don't know what God's going to do next. But as long as I'm in his presence, it don't matter. Kind of like, duh. But we'll give up his presence because we think we've got him figured out. And next thing you know, we're worrying because we got to, Dude, this, this, this is what the will of God is. I got to do this. And we get worked up and getting into a lather, and then we can't sleep. But I'm doing the will of God. It's the will of God I get this budget right. We first do our budget with Him in the Spirit. We first do our budget with Him in the Spirit. We first get the bottom line nailed down with Him in the Spirit. This other budget. It's going to be a witness to everybody else. But I didn't make that budget. He did. It wasn't about me. It was about him. 
And I promise you, his plans for you are greater than the budget you got right now that you think is balanced. Matter of fact, most of you have balanced budgets that are not God's budgets. He wants you to trash that budget, put it in it, burn it. Work out some things with him in the spirit and let him show you the budget he wants you to. The only thing that pleases God is called what? Faith. And the only way we can love God And we have to love him in order to be empowered to obey him. When you love God, you're empowered at that point to obey him. There's only one problem with that. You can't love him unless you receive his love first. You all tracking? <laughs> to, to obey God. You must love him so that you're empowered to obey him. But you can't love him until you first experience love. And Jesus spends a sermon on the mount. We got it in three chapters and in verses. And if you're not careful, you'll miss the revealing of the kingdom because it's broke up into three chapters and in verses. And you'll never get the meat of the message of what God's trying to say to you. Because the enemy knows how to manipulate and control. Some of you and all of us need to be renewed in the spirit daily. Would it be truth when Paul says, stir up the gift, praying in the Holy Ghost? Would that be true? Stir it up? Well, you know how I've learned to stir it up? Do an, do an examination on myself. Uh-oh. You got, you got an attitude problem here. You've been hiding behind a religious mask. Don't take long to do an examination. You'll find out, how in the world did you say that? What, what made you say that? When did God give you the right to measure that? Well, I got a bunch of Bible studies that support. But let me, doctor, okay, you got all the Bible studies. Okay, that's cool. Then again, is it? <laughs> How you doing with your peace right now? How you doing with your joy? Take the Bible studies. Ain't nothing wrong with the Bible. It's, it's, it's the messenger that's giving you interpretation of it. Take all those Bible studies you got from the Bible, put them in the trash can. If you need your Bible, come back, open up your heart, and listen to what the Lord's saying. Listen. Listen. Amen. There's an outpouring of God's Spirit right here in this room for everybody. What would hold me back? What would hinder me? from allowing the joy of the Lord and the peace of God access to my life. What asking, 
This is where we're going. This is where we're closing right now. Jesus, when he gets through revealing the good fruit and the bad fruit, all the way through, getting to chapter 7, after he gets through giving illustration out of illustrated life, why would you be critical and biased towards anyone when you got a, you got a beam in your own eye and you're trying to pull that speck out of somebody? Why would you try to help them with their speck when you need to go do a self-examination? Jesus is the one saying this. Why would you do that when you can be blessed? And then he goes on after he gets through revealing all this. He says, ask for the gift. Ask for it. Seek. You'll find it. Knock. It'll be open. What gift are we talking about? And then he goes and he explains. A good father, a biological father, wouldn't give his daughter or son a stone when he, he'd give him bread. He'd give him a serpent. Give him a fish. How much more will your heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit if you will ask what, what, what keeps me from asking what's stopping me from asking is there some dark figures hiding in your heart that's clogging it that's clouding it oh I, I'm, I'm talking about the guy in the mirror I'm not talking about your guy in the mirror I'm talking about my guy in the mirror why wouldn't I ask why wouldn't I pray in the Spirit every day? Oh, Pastor, you, you do, right? I don't know what days it hadn't, but I haven't before because I let these dark spirits convince me I was working hard for Jesus that day and I was in council sessions and, and all, all kinds of things for God. But for some reason, I didn't give God any time. And that he showed me that was a dark figure. He needed me to think on him first. And that if I would think on him first, he would stir up my longing. And if he, if he could ever get me to want him more of him and long for him, that I would actually seek him. And if you ever seek him, you'll find out he's easy to find. Everybody in this, everybody in this room, Right here in this room could be filled with spirit and fire again and again and again and again and again and again. And all these dark figures that you don't know are there, they're there because you're emotionally stressed out. You're beat up. You're worried about this. You can't quit gossiping and, and you lust over someone that's not your spouse. That's dark figures. That's lying spirits. That's got to go. And Jesus is giving a sermon on the mount to give us an invitation to let him in. Ask. Ask. Seek. Knock. A good father quickly takes care of his children. How much more will your heavenly father suddenly come to his house? You don't have to beg for this, but there has to be a longing a hunger, a persistence. I'm not going another day without. I'm not going another moment without. Right here, I'm drawing a circle around me. Me and you, Jesus, is where I'm. I'm not leaving this circle until I get what I need. That turns daddy on. And you can't outdo him. You can't outgive him. You can't outbless him. 
You can't do enough. He, you can't compete with him on loving on you. He knows how to love on us. We can't help but love. We will position ourselves to be a benefit to any and everybody. This is where we're at, ladies and gentlemen. We need him. And when you get filled with him, get filled with him again. And again, until all those dark spirits and all those lies and all those emotional oppressions and anxiety and the list goes on, all that lust and pride is gone. Let him fill you with light. Because depression is darkness. Anxiety is darkness. Lust is darkness. Criticism is darkness. Worry is darkness. And it clogs the heart. It clouds God's throne room. And it's time to make room for him. Could we stand? Thank you, Father. Woo, thank you, Daddy. I personally went longer than I wanted to, but the presence of God hung it in here and gave you the ability to sit there a little longer. He knows how to empower our rear ends, don't he? Isn't he good? And there's a wave of his presence in this room right now. He says, he's telling me to tell you, he's telling me to tell you, I see you. He said, I've never stopped looking at you. I've seen you before you was in your mother's womb. I saw you. And you're moving, you're having your being today because I'm so in love with you. Will you let me love you right now? Some of you just lift your hands from heaven. I'm telling you, he's ready to pour himself out. Don't worry. Don't worry about what it's going to look like. Is he worthy? If you weep, if you fall to your feet, if you fall on your face, is it worth? Yes, to give up all the pain, to give all the frustration, the anxiety, the worry, all the stuff up. Be filled with the Spirit right now. Anyone that want to come up here and me pray for you, I'll pray for you. Daddy is faithful. He's going to let you have what you want. You're walking into it right now. You're walking right into a miracle right now. Come on, let's open up our hearts. It's time to be filled with the glory of Daddy.